that up. Thank you very much. Uh, this has been Alumni Day on campus. We have a speaker tonight who is uh, an alumni, an alumnus of Nazarene Bible College and is uh, one of the three individuals who was chosen by the Colorado District this past summer to be the Colorado District Alumnus of the Year. And you'll hear from Reuben in a, a few minutes. He's got a great story to tell. I think you'll enjoy listening to him as he uh, opens God's word to us. Today we have hosted on campus the meeting of the Alumni Executive Committee. Uh, these are individuals from all over the United States who come and talk to us, share with us, and I wish that you could have all been with me all day as I have uh, sat and listened. We've laughed together. Uh, we came close a couple of times perhaps to crying, but uh, we just had a good time together, and uh, we've done some business too for the Alumni Association. I'd like to ask the Alumni Board if they would please stand, and I'd like to introduce them to you. Uh, they are from my left. That's right, isn't it? Left, you're right, yeah. Uh, Dan Dieter. Dan lives here in the Colorado Springs area and uh, was pastor at uh, Woodland Park until about a year ago. Next to him is Cindy Wright. Many of you will recognize Cindy. Uh, she graduated just two years ago from NBC and uh, is now serving as the admissions director at Nazarene Theological Seminary and is also working on her master's degree at uh, Mid-America, Mount Vernon. That would be quite a stretch, wouldn't it? It's good to have Cindy back on campus. Uh, next to Cindy is Carrie Willis. Carrie is a pastor who is from the state of Virginia, the Virginia district. Uh, a real down-home, earthy kind of guy. Uh, he spoke in chapel here a year ago on Alumni Day, and many of you might remember his message. I've been thinking all day. In fact, I just told uh, James Wilson a few minutes ago, as, as Kerry has been talking, I've thought, there's a, there's a smaller version of James Wilson right there. And uh, one of the things that I'm going on about for uh, Kerry is the fact that he will be our speaker in just two weeks at the family gathering that will be at Springs First, and you don't want to miss that because I'm already looking forward to some of the things that he will have to say and uh, preach to us during that time. It's, it's break week. It's the week between terms, so you don't have to worry about homework unless you didn't get it done, but you'll have all of that done. You can come to church. Ken Carney is uh, next to him. Ken is a pastor in... Uh, Hot Springs, Arkansas. Ken uh, and his wife have served as missionaries in the Church of the Nazarene, is a graduate of Nazarene Bible College, and uh, then on the end is Jeff Griffith, who also comes from the state of Virginia, is a pastor there, and uh, we're excited to have these people on campus. Would you join me in well, I should say welcoming them, but they've been here all day and they're going to leave. So would you join me in expressing our thanks for them to be here and saying goodbye to them? Great God, accept our praise. Accept our love, accept our service, accept our lives. We give it all to you. Because you are great and worthy of our praise, we give you thanks. You've brought us from where we were when you first found us to this point. We give you praise. 
We give you thanks for the way that your grace has changed us and molded us and is calling us further into your likeness. Be honored by our response to your invitation, we ask. Be honored by the word that will be broken and by the testimony that will be given by our brother Reuben. We give you praise for all you've done through him for your sake. We ask that by the time we are finished this evening, we will have even a greater sense of just how great you are. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. <laughs> it's good to be here. I've uh, been here all day, and it's a real joy for me to be here. I count it as a real privilege. The last time I was here was, I guess, about 10 years ago, and that's when I said earlier this morning, uh, the Oasis. Was there anyone know what the Oasis is? Anyone? Okay, a few of you. <laughs> Mushrooms, yep. There was some good stuff there, yeah, good conversation. So it's a real privilege for me to be back here. Uh, I have some really special relationships here with people, and uh, I, I just counted a, a real joy, so thank you. NBC was a real crucial time in my life, and, and, and Dr. Matson asked me to just share kind of what God is doing up north here. But uh, I just want to say NBC was a critical time in my life. You know, there's so much growth that happens outside the classroom, and you students know exactly, and alumni know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, I remember when we first moved here, um, we didn't have any jobs or anything like that, and uh, all we had was a Polaroid picture of the place we were going to stay, and it was 349A Gayheart Drive right over here, and then when you see the rest of the Polaroid, it wasn't, as, wasn't real attractive. <laughs> I remember looking at it, and then Grace, my wife, was like, this is... And, you know, it's like, yeah, isn't it great? We're you know, following God's will here. And uh, it was just kind of like that. And, uh, you know, of course, we, get, we went in and had our whole experience and everything like that. And uh, something I've learned is none of us have it all together. I have learned that. And I don't know if you've caught on to that yet. Maybe you're still working through that. But at our church, and, and, and we, we're all in this together, you know, I burn God's grace more than anyone else. And uh, we need that all the time. And uh, when I was here on campus at NBC here for three and a half years, it was just a lot of fun. God was just, you know, the blessings and everything, it's just, it was just really sweet. And one of the first words I heard here at NBC was the word, were the words church planting. Never heard of them before. Jim Dorsey was here, and we were actually meeting in the old Oasis area, and he brought it up. And right there, God started speaking to me and said, Reuben, I want you to start a church. And of course, I wasn't ready at all right here. In fact, I tell people all the time I could have started a church, you know, seven years ago or something, but there would have just been a lot of casualties along the way. And uh, I wasn't ready, and God knew that. But uh, from here, I went on staff to Colorado Springs, uh, First Church of the Nazarene, and uh, had a great time there, had a wonderful experience with uh, Gene Great, the lead pastor there. And uh, one day, we went to Saddleback Community Church, went to a conference there. And at this conference is when God started speaking to me and saying, okay, Reuben, giddy up. It's time. It's time. Now, until then, I was living with this tension in my life, knowing this is kind of what I knew God wanted me to do, but he wasn't giving me the green light yet. Does that make any sense? He's always more concerned with what's happening here than what's happening out here. He's always more concerned about that. And the speaker there read a passage. I want to read it to you. It's found in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 21. It says, when I think of the wisdom and scope of God's plan, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father. And right there, I just underlined God's plan in my Bible. 
the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. He is God, isn't he? I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources. Wow. He's like Daddy Warbuck or something. He will give you mighty inner strength through his Holy Spirit. And I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts as you trust in him. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love really is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is so great, you will never fully understand it. Then you will be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. And verse 20 is the verse that just jumped off the page for me. Now glory be to God, by his mighty power at work within us, he is able to accomplish infinitely more. Infinitely more than we would ever dare to ask or hope. Wow. May he be given glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Through endless ages, amen. Well, this speaker there at Saddleback shared this verse. And for a period of time, I just forgot about the other 5,000 pastors that were there. I started sweating you know, perspiring, and it was just one of those one-on-one -on -one times that God just started speaking to me, saying, Reuben, I want, you to, uh, I want you to start this church now. And I can't tell you the fear that gripped me at that moment. I came across an excerpt from a U.S. Government Peace Corps training manual, and talks about fear a little bit, and then this U.S. Government Peace Corps training manual talks about for those who work in the Amazon jungle, this is how to react if you're attacked by an anaconda snake. So um, that's the largest snake in, in the world, 35 feet long, and it can swallow a 300, 400-pound animal, and I think swallow all of us here. And so here's the, they, the U.S. Government Peace Corps gives the, give this to their volunteers and employees and say this is what you've got to be aware of. Number one, if you're attacked by an anaconda, don't run. The snake is faster than you. Okay, so keep that in mind as you face to face with Nanakana. Number two, lie flat on the ground, put your arms tight against your side, <clears throat> and your legs tight against one another. You got it? All right, we're doing good here. Tuck in your chin. Lying on the ground, tucking in your chin, kind of doing this number. Tuck in your chin. The snake will come and begin to nudge and climb over your body. And number five, do not panic. <laughs> Mercy. Number six, after the snake has examined you, it will begin to swallow you from the feet end. Permit the snake to swallow your feet and ankles. Do not panic. <laughs> it's insane. Number seven, the snake will now begin to suck your legs into its body. You must lie perfectly still. This will take some time. <laughs> Number eight, when the snake has reached your knees, slowly and with as little movement as possible, reach down, take your knife, and very gently slide it into the side of the snake's mouth between its mouth and your leg, then suddenly rip up, severing its head. And number nine, be sure to have your knife. <laughs> Man, you know what, when I read that, when I, when I came across this thing, it made me think, um, and I want to just pose this question to you, what's your anaconda? What is the thing that has a grip on you that um, 
strikes fear down in the secret places of your heart. You know, we all have fears that drive us. Uh, we have fears of failure, right? We have fear of being alone. We have fear of not having this nest egg when we get older. We have fear of not being valued. We have fear of, you know, all that stuff. My fear was failure. God wanted me to do this church thing, and I kept telling God, you just have the wrong address, man. You have the wrong address. This is not going to work. But Paul said in verse 20, Now glory be to God, by his mighty power work within us, he is able to accomplish infinitely more than we would ever dare to ask or hope. And the key word here is, by his mighty power at work within us. That's that power. It's like swallowing a grenade. You swallow a grenade and it's just going to explode right inside of you. And that's the kind of power that God is talking about. And um, what struck me, God was just telling me, Reuben, I'm a big God. I can do it. And God had reminded me that his thoughts are bigger than my thoughts and his plans are bigger than my plans. It's really funny how we just say amen to that kind of thing. But when you're in a situation where you got to, like, act, it's like a whole different level of faith. I wasn't completely convinced God was really speaking to me. I'm one of those, I'm kind of a slow learner, I guess. I wanted to make sure it was God's will versus my will. So I went back to Colorado Springs, and I was sitting in my office, and I was reading a devotion, and I came across a quote by E.W. Tozer. It said, God is looking for people through whom he can do the impossible. What a pity we only attempt the things we can do on our own. Isn't that a strong quote? I read that quote, and I, I just stopped right there, sitting at my desk, and I thought, what am I doing right now that does not require the intervention of God's Holy Spirit in my life. And I concluded at least 90% of what I was doing, I didn't need God's Holy Spirit. Didn't need it. And uh, still wasn't sure. God was still speaking to me about starting this whole church thing. And uh, I went to a staff meeting, and, and, and Pastor Gene Great mentioned that the district came to him and wants him to be part of this New Start Committee, which would be responsible for starting churches across Colorado. I didn't think it was going to happen here in Colorado, but that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. I said, okay, God, all right, uncle, I give. I'm willing to go ahead and follow you and do whatever you want me to do. And so we left this very, very comfortable situation at Springs First Church, a great church, left that church, and we moved to this place called Thornton, Colorado. Oh, my word. I've never been so close to cow patties and fields and all that stuff ever. And uh, just, you know, you smell cow patties. To the, and it was this kind of thing. But this area is projected to grow 150,000 within the next 10 years. And uh, went ahead and went up there and uh, didn't know it was on the map. In fact, uh, before we went up there, I was playing golf with Gary Haynes. Um, I was teaching him how to play golf. And, uh, and I was playing golf with him. And um, he said, Reuben, I told him, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about planting this church up, up north. And he says, Reuben, um, do you, uh, have you ever lived up there? And I said, no. And he said, uh, have, you, have, you ever, have you ever visited up there before? And I said, no. He said, is there a, a you know, church up there that's going to support you? And I said, no. Are, is there a group of people that are up there that are, are going to be partnering with you to get this off the ground, Reuben? And I said, no. And he said, it's going to be all the sweeter. And he was so right. In fact, we had him as a guest speaker a few months ago. It was like a full circle kind of thing. It was a wonderful time. Well, I went ahead and went up to Thornton. And the early days, of course, we didn't have anyone. In fact, I remember it was such a scary time that um, I just wanted to stay home many times. I, it was the only safe place for me. Have you ever lived in an area? Maybe some of you are experiencing this right now. You're in an area. It's kind of like imagine yourself getting popped up here. 
and planted here, and you have zero influence, zero relationships, and start a church. That was it. That was it. And it was a, a scary, scary time. I, the first September, uh, 02, we moved there, and from September to December, we started knocking on doors, did the Robert Schuller thing, asking people why they don't go to church, learned a lot. And um, I remember it was, I even, you know, we didn't have anyone, so I, I posed as a shopper. I went to a super target, I got a basket, and I would find someone who met our, or fit our target profile, and I would follow them along, and if they were buying chicken or eggs or whatever it was, I would go and, you know, put chicken in my basket with no intention on buying it, but I would just kind of do that and strike up a conversation about church, and, and or do they go to a church anywhere? I just scared people away. That did nothing for me, but I, it was, that was just kind of where we were at. You know, you start with nothing, and everything is, everything is, I learned when you start with nothing, you start with nothing in every area. Did you realize that? You start with nothing in every area, and it's, uh, it's a humbling, humbling thing. Well, we, uh, hired Telstart, and we had our first meeting, informal meeting at the Fairfield Inn. We were expecting like 35 people to show up, and uh, it was cold, colder than this. We had a total of seven people, including me, my wife, and my son, and we counted everything that moved. We had seven people, and it was, it was just disheartening. I remember thinking there, okay, what's up with this, God? In fact, I journaled that night, and I put down, in fact, I read this journal entry to our church a few months ago. And on this journal entry, you can read, it says, God, is my faith too big? Do I have foolish faith? I feel like I'm the only one who can determine the color of the sky in my world. That's, that's what I put down. And I'm, I'm afraid, God. It's that whole fear thing coming back. Well, we continue to meet there, and then uh, we grew the church to about 30, 35 people in a Palm Sunday, and we had our first public service on Easter, April 20, 2003. We had 150 people show up. That was after a lot of marketing, 150 people. My word, I was scared to death. I remember preaching the sermon. This is how I was. God loves you very much, and he really cares about you, and come back, and if you want to have a personal relationship with you... <laughs> It was so pitiful, my word. I was, I was scared. I needed a big towel or something to wipe my head and stuff. I was so afraid. And the whole time I kept thinking, are they going to come back? I felt like all these strangers just kind of came together, and I kept thinking, are they going to come back? What are they doing here? Oh, my word. Why are there so, why are they, there so many? And it's by God's grace that this church grew. <laughs> I want you to know that. It's by God's grace that this church grew. God gave me a passage. We were looking for a place to worship. It's Deuteronomy chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. And it talks about Israel getting ready to cross the River Jordan. It talks about that time when God tells Israel, hey, you know what? This is going to be an amazing thing for you, but I want you to know that you're a bunch of stubborn, rebellious people. And the only reason why you're going to occupy this land is because of my covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because of my mercy for these people, because of my grace. Well, I read that passage, and God totally spoke to me and said, Reuben, I'm going to bless your ministry, but I want you to know you're stubborn, you're rebellious, and you need me, and it's not because of you. It's because of my mercy and my grace for this community and for this people. And God made it clear to me early on that it was all about him. In fact, I, uh, <clears throat> oh man, we started with 150, and our lower day, lowest day was 40. It was on Father's Day, you know, go figure, dads. Lowest day was on Father's Day, and uh, I was just bummed, and that week I went to Super Target, What's up with Super Target in Thorn Creek? Went to Super Target, and I was driving through the parking lot, and I was uh, just 
giving God a pep talk, you know? Sometimes he needs that. And I was telling God, God, you can send people to Thorn Creek like this. Look at all these people here at Barnes and Nobles and, you know, Super Target and, and, and you know, Michaels. You can, you can draw people like this. And, you know, I parked my car and I started walking into Super Target and there was the entry and there was a family in front of me and they were right in front of me. And I said, God, just like this family, you can bring this family to Thorn Creek if you wanted to. And I just kind of kept on going and walked through the aisles and just saying that, just giving God this great pep talk. And, um, that very, very next Sunday, that family that was right in front of me was at Thorn Creek Church. Oh, man. I was like in tears. I remember meeting them. It was a unique-looking family. They were kind of a mixed-race family. They, were, they just really stood out. And they just shook my hand, and they said, we just felt like we needed to come today. We won't be back. And I was like, I don't blame you. We're getting started. <laughs> There's nothing much here. But, uh, uh, but it was like their, their job was to communicate to me, and God used them in a supernatural way to communicate to me that he's a big God, and there's nothing to worry about. There's nothing to be afraid about. You know, when David feared God, remember David's first task was to go get the ark, and David got all these just high-quality, talented leaders and surrounded him. Remember that? You read about that in First Chronicles chapter 12, and he's just really pumped up, and, you know, he's building up this whole army. It's an amazing, amazing chapter. But in chapter 13 is a chapter when that ark started falling over, right? And, and Uzzah just kind of reached out and just killed him right on the spot, and he was dead. And verse 12 says, David was now afraid of God and asked God, how can I ever bring the ark of God back into my care? But look at that. David was now afraid of God. Wow. He's the spiritual leader leading this wonderful nation. And he didn't have that fear in him. And it was only until when he had that, when he got that fear, his whole leadership changed as well. And in fact, chapter 14, verse 2 says, And David realized that the Lord made him king over Israel and made his kingdom very great for the sake of his people Israel. See, it's not about us. Oh man, you got the, it's not about us. He wants a broken, humble vessel willing to be used any way, any way he wants. I don't know where, what God's doing in your life and where God's taking you, but you need to know that God is most concerned with your heart. God's most concerned that you have this broken, humble, and that you live this life of holiness and purity. I always tell people my biggest task is to maintain a pure heart, and I jealously guard the flow of God's Holy Spirit in my life. You know, His Spirit in so many ways is so shy. He speaks to us, and if we choose to ignore him, he just kind of lets us do our own thing. And God, early on, taught me, Reuben, learn to obey my Holy Spirit. When you postpone complete obedience, you postpone God's perfect plan for your life. That's what you do. First Chronicles 17, 16 says, Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and prayed, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my family that you have brought me this far? Oh man, that was my prayer. I looked at myself and I thought, God, how can you use me in this area? It's predominantly Caucasian, and I don't know if you noticed it or not, but I'm not white, and I... <laughs> okay, see, anyway. I feel like a raisin in a bowl of milk a lot of times, and, it, and, um, and I'm thinking, God, how in the world can you use me? And, and God, over and over, just says, I mean, I, I'm, I, who am I, oh Lord? Who am I, God? And God tells me over and over, I want you to be broken. Because I'm going to use the foolishness of this world to put to shame the wise. 
and I'm a great example of that. You know, God is so big. When uh, we left Springs First Church, I don't know, the children's ministry, it's a pretty good-sized children's ministry, and I kept thinking about my son, thinking, wow, we're taking him from this to nothing. I want him to have those relationships. Over. And look how loving God is. God has blessed our church in such a way, just between birth and fifth grade, today we have about 180 kids between birth and fifth grade. At Christmas Eve, we had over 400 people, actually had close to 450. And uh, we continue to grow. We've been growing close to 90% every year. And we have four people on staff now. We have a preschool of more than 80 kids. We have uh, six teachers. They're all certified. And we have a preschool director overseeing those people. And we have a pastoral staff. I mean, God is so big. He is so big. I don't know what your anaconda in life is. I don't know what you imagine yourself doing from here. But think bigger. God, let God determine... Let God determine your ministry plan. Let God determine your goals. And don't be afraid of anything because we have an incredible God. So, all right, I'm done. I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. How's that for conclusion? Is that good? <laughs>